Blog Talk Radio. This is that feeling that you get right before you pull into the water box, or right after you do your burnout, check them straps, roll your neck a little bit, take a couple deep breaths, you bumping it in, and you let go. When it's the top of the bottom and you know you crush it, you get the 500 foot out and you start beating the pedal out of that thing. You get to the finish line, you knock them, drop them, whatever you do. This is that feeling right here. Founded in 1968, Sassy Racing Engines, your supercharged Hemi Superstore, has become the preeminent builder of not only Hemi tractor pulling engines, but drag racing engines as well. Their engines have won over 40 NTPA Pro Pulling League championships, including the 2014 East Coast Pro Comp Association Drag Racing Championship. Can't find what you're looking for? Be sure to check out their large inventory at www.sassyracingengines.com or give the shop a call at minutes with our good friend from the race for Ronald's house. Of course, I'm talking about Denny Parison. He's coming on for a few minutes to talk about their toy drive coming up this weekend for the Ronald McDonald house. And then our guest du jour will be joining us around 7.15 tonight. And of course, I am talking about the Senior VP of Racing Operations, member of the Board of Directors of NHRA, the one and only Graham Light's going to be joining us about 7.15. And uh, we have a great list of questions. We put it out to the masses, and they returned numerous interesting topics for us to talk about. And uh, we look forward to talking to Graham, like I said, right around 7.15, give or take a few minutes. Uh, but why don't we dive right into it and... Uh, the girls are running the ship tonight, and of course, I'm talking about Kelly Barbado and Kelly Kondratik. Um, but let's get rolling right off with uh, our good friend that has done so much to help so many people at the Ronald McDonald House down in Philly, Denny Parison. How you doing tonight, Chris? Hello, ladies. Nobody's there? Standing, sir. Oh, there you are. <laughs> How are we doing tonight, guys? Oh, not bad. Enjoying the well, downtime. Enjoying the holiday season. 
Kelly, how do you enjoy it? I don't get it. I want to be out there so bad already. It's oh, not no, even the end I'm of the year yet. I'm through my teeth right now. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm looking at the positives. I mean, my tree is up, and I'm watching TV, and I look at the positives of it is like I come home, and I usually don't have much to do when I get home because in the summertime, those, like, six months, it's, it's nonstop. It's grocery store one night. It's cleaning the car another night. It's loading the other yep. night. It's getting into the racetrack the next night. It's, it's, I don't have this time. So I do try to look at the bright side and say, I have this time right now to kind of hang out. And, but, I yeah, gotcha. no, I, I can't wait till April. But I know I'll be, you know, I'm trying to get the car done early and not be rushing, and I feel like we're on that good path. But I'm sure it'll be, well, like, mid-April. I'll still be running around like a maniac. <laughs> Okay, real quick, are you watching the Hallmark Channel when you come home? No, I watch, okay. um, I have a specific schedule. It's Big Bang, it's uh, Goldberg's at 6, Big Bang series on at 6.30 and okay. 7, which I have on in the background right now, and then 7.30 is Goldberg's, and if I make it to 8 o'clock, it's usually whatever's on Hulu or, oh, okay. no, not in the Christmas spirit I yet. Have, no, not well. Okay, so I, I will tell this quick. I I uh, I I just have an antenna. I I cut the cord. They call it, and I don't have Smart. cable. I have all the streaming and all that stuff. So I do not have Hallmark Channel here now. I am going to my parents for the weekend. They have Hallmark Channel on all day, every day, at this time of year. <laughs> yeah, Investigation Discovery well, goes away for a month, and it is yeah, and and I can you can walk in like the last ten minutes, you can pretty much guess what happened the first hour and fifty minutes. It's, it's they're great. <laughs> These are great shows. <laughs> well, Chris, Kelly, and Kelly, I am of course doing the toy drive. This is the grand finale of the entire Race of Ronald's South season. Um, we, we had the go-kart race. Kelly, you know about that. Um, we do mm-hmm. the dinner at Cedar Hollow Inn. We do uh, the drag race at Maple Grove Raceway, which, by the way, will be uh, June 2nd of 2018. Yes! And uh, I can't wait for that. John, who uh, has the nostalgia uh, racers down at Cecil each year, is always on the same date I am. Well, we're doing different dates, and he's going to bring all the nostalgia gassers up and stuff like that. And the really cool stuff is uh, Dawn Purdue is going to be bringing the Jet Dragster out. And uh, we're going to oh, wow. be able to uh, show a lot of fan stuff like that because I really can't wait. It's going to be the best season yet. But as of right now, we have the toy drive coming up this Saturday from 10 to 1 at the Goshen Firehouse. And we're going to have the Carabas food there. We're going to have Country Bagel there. We're going to have Dave Thomas's uh, Dairy Queen from Westchester there. We're going to have DJ Dean. Now, I, I'm a musician. And I, I like strapping on the guitar and, you know, singing my heart out and everything. So DJs are like, no, I'm not sure how I feel. This guy knocked it out of the park last year, and I couldn't wait to invite him back this year. So he, he does impressions, he, but he, he's just really cool about what he does. He's not over the top or anything. Did a great job for us. And what else we got? Oh, we got 46 different raffles going on this year. I, I just couldn't believe it. And some of those are A and B. So that ought to be a lot of fun, too. What else we got? Uh, we got pictures with Santa, of course. And uh, we're going to have some hold-up things where people put their face through and they get to take their picture to kids and stuff like that. And, of course, outside we're going to have the car show. And being it's at the Goshen Firehouse, there's a lot of room. So all I can say to anybody out there is coming, make sure you show up with your hot rod or street rod or drag race car. we got plenty of parking for trailers as well. If you can't do it, if we have bad weather, which we're not supposed to, but if you don't want to bring that out, still come out. 
it's a numbers game more than anything. The more people to show up, the more help we provide. So uh, just cool out and have some fun and get some food. It's free and, and help some families, help some friends. Everybody knows somebody who's, who's had to go through the house or, you know, had a child who was at the hospital sick. They, they've seen the effects on the families. And this is what we're doing is trying to lighten that load. We give them that home away from home. And it's important. And I have, I don't know how many wonderful people that show up throughout the year, Kelly, you yourself as well. Um, it's, without you guys, this doesn't work. It doesn't make a difference. But we are making a difference. And that's because there's a lot of great people out there that come to this. So I'm very blessed to have this. I just can't get over that. I'll be able to go to the big race this year. <laughs> it's not in Touring English Town. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I can probably guess a couple people that aren't that are going to be able to come this year because I know a couple that wanted to come last year and were at English Town with me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. I'm I'm still in toy drive mode, but that's great news, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm very happy I think now. It's <laughs> that's all I've been wanting. I've been waiting for the Maple Grove schedule to come out because that's like the one thing I pretty much have everything else on the schedule. It's just waiting for that. It's like, when is that race? Like, I want to do that race again. And when you just said that, I'm like, all right, cool. That was that's a little Christmas gift for myself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Chris, when are you gonna come down and visit me? I, I know you've gone to Cecil, which means you've gone past me. I mean, what, what, what's, got, what's it going to take? General, I've gone in the general area of you. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I swear, I know I've said it last year, you know, the, the almost two years that we've been associated with you. I swear I will actually truly put an effort into it this year. Kelly, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I like that you said oh, yeah. effort in it this year. It's like, what, what what were you not putting an effort in before? <laughs> oh, oh, I man. was slacking last year. I admit it. <laughs> Semantic. Well, see, I have, see what, what Denny doesn't know is I have a little extra inspiration to try and get down there because I might be able to make some passes in a car. Oh? <laughs> is this a Camaro? Mine? No, but... It's a, it's a uh, top secret. Fuck the Brock a little bit. Say it again. My H H. Oh, oh Brock. Oh, okay, good. No, I yeah. just thought that at one point you and Brock were talking about doing something at one point, and nothing ever materialized. So I'm thinking this car's still got to be around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So hopefully, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully. I swear to God. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? If you make it, great. If you can't, well, I won't say anything. Good, you're good to me. <laughs> you just thought, mister. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brock gave me some stuff to uh, raffle off for the one lap, so that'll be great to have some friends from that race coming out as well. And uh, it's that, this is probably since it's my second year I'm doing this particular one, uh, but it's actually the 13th year of doing these toy drives. 
I, I I think this is probably going to be one of the biggest and the best yet, and I'm very excited to say that, and and I'll 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 own that. I really think it's going to be great. I have I not only have all my friends, but I now have all my family literally helping me, and and it's just an awesome thing. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law come out. They have massage business. They come out and give chair massages and free uh, certificates. And my nephew, he he's been helping me like crazy. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, even his wife is helping me out. That the two of them are just getting behind everything and just really pushing to help make this the best yet. And uh, I can't, I can't thank all of my family enough. I love them all, and and I love my friends that awesome. come out all the time. And obviously, it it takes a lot of people to make this happen. And uh, I I got to tell you right up front, it's I'm not the one that that does this, makes all this. It's all of you, and that's what's really important. I just I just put a couple of people together. It's the people that make it happen. You know, so Chris, get on down cool. here one of these times. I I promise That's this I Saturday. Will. I know. I keep saying that. And, uh, That's yeah. okay. I know you mean it when you There's say it. There's three in a season. You got to be able to pick one. Because <laughs> right, you know, Denny doesn't know about well, these damn it Petro stickers I have, but we're gonna have to get some made up that said "Damn it, Denny." Hashtag <laughs> damn it. Denny. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, you know, this coming year, you're going to have more chances. Not only do we do the, the dinner at Cedar Hollow and the uh, go-karts at Arnold's and the drag race at Maple Grove Raceway and then the toy drive at Goshen, next year on February 9th, I think it is, I'm actually going to try to do a open mic. Being a musician, I have a lot of friends, and a lot of friends are actually drag racers. So we're thinking about doing an open mic night for Ronald McDonald House of Philadelphia. Mm. And oh, it's wow. just an opportunity. And Kelly, you know, there's a bar there, so life is good. Hey, Kel, <laughs> I got to interrupt you yes. for just one sec, Denny. I got to no. step huh? away for just one minute. I'll be right back. Yep. Okay. I know what that means. It means wrap it up. <laughs> got it. But um, no, but um, no, we, we and we'll definitely have you back on before that again. And anything that we see on Facebook, we will share on our webpage. And that sounds like a lot of fun because I know a couple um, racers that are also uh, musicians too. So you, I will have to well, check that out and hopefully I'll be able to come down. Well, if we can get them together, what we're going to do is the musicians will sell tickets for $15 each and have their friends come out and hear them do stuff. And that's how we're going to raise the money. Idea. And $15 yeah, is one well. night at Ronald McDonald House. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You're good at this. All right. You've done this before. Yeah, I know. I'm a pro at this point. Well, yeah, so we <laughs> wanted to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. We're, we're scooting you out, I know. We're, we're very, That's okay. We're, we're very, uh, very quick on this, but we're, we will mention a couple more times on the show, but we did want to thank you for stopping on and letting us know about this. So anybody I appreciate it. Go to the Race for area, Ronald's house on Facebook. Look it up. Race for Ronald, the number four. Race for Ronald on Facebook. We'll share all the info. Denny, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all your right. time. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Denny Parrison, everybody, for Race for Ronald. Um, as he said, the um, next year they're going to have a race first weekend of June at Maple Grove. Um, I highly recommend going. I enjoy it when I get to go. Luckily, it's not in front of English Town this year. And um, the go-kart race is always really fun. Now we're going to have an open mic and a dinner. So anyway, can, I think, I think um, out of the four of those things, you know, you, either, you can either eat, drive a race car, drive a go-kart, or sing. So you know, I think one of them has got to be able to fit into your life. 
the real question is, Kelly, what are you going to sing? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, Jello sort of already took over Dead Flowers. And um, what's the um, – oh, there's a – there's a Montgomery Gentry song that B has decided that we start singing now. There's also some song. There's also some video out there of me and him singing "I Will Always Love You." <laughs> but this is all karaoke. I mean, I am not that good. My my actually my tattoo builder is a great musician, Larry King. He's a he's an excellent musician. I've heard him play before, so it's like I have to tell him. Hey, about Kel. This. Yes. Now, what we're going to do is we have our guest on the line. We are going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we will be speaking with, again, the Senior VP of Racing Operations, member of the Board of Directors of NHRA. Graham Light will be joining us in just a moment. Are you looking for reliable auto repair, a place that genuinely is invested in your auto care experience? Southern New Hampshire Undercar has you covered, from basic auto repair and maintenance to custom exhaust work. Owner Dan Christopher has been in the auto business for over 20 years. You can look them up online at southernnewhampshireundercar.com or give them a call at 603-329-6650. Hi, my name is Hector Rana, rider of the Lucas Oil Prospect Motorcycle. When I need the latest in drag racing news, and interview, I tune into the Wheels Up Radio Live on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, and we are back. Everybody, I have been hounding this man for probably a year, and I finally beat him down into submission, and he agreed to come on and hang out with us and talk about sportsman racing. Of course, I speak of the Senior VP of Racing Operations, member of the Board of Directors of the National Hot Rod Association. Would everybody please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, former racer, Graham Light. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, well welcome that was to quite an introduction. our little show. Uh, you're, little you're, you're very welcome, sir. <laughs> um, before we get into this, Jessica told me what turned out to be a funny story about you and Don Prudhomme a while back getting into a chest-boking competition that was everybody, by the time it got around the pits, it was like you guys were throwing fists at each other and rolling around on the ground, but it was actually, you guys were having a lot of fun, and it just kind of got blown all out of proportion. Could you, would you mind taking a second just kind of talking about that? Well, it's one of those things that sometimes perception is not reality. Um, We were at Gainesville, Florida, and this is when uh, Don still had his, his team and the Skull car and the Miller car. And, um, I was close to the tower, and I spotted him sitting out there by himself on a golf cart, uh, just out by the water box, and and we had an oil down. So I wandered out, and, and Don and I have been good friends. We've partied at his house at times and so on. Anyway, he gets out of his golf cart, and he starts telling me about a neighbor of his. And Don is very animated with his hands and so on. So his hands are flying around. He's telling me about this 
jerk neighbor that did this to him, and he's poking me in the chest, and he says, that SOB, and he's going on and on, right? Well, I'm standing there listening to him, and, and he's going on with all these, these antics, and and uh, cleanup is about done. They're about to, to fire the car, so I go walking back into the tower, and everything, man, Don Perdome was chewing you out. What the hell was that all about? I says, he, he was telling me about his next-door neighbor, okay? So the next day, I think it was, we had a similar situation. He was down there. So I go walking down. I says, Don. He gets out. I poke him in the chest. I says, remember yesterday, and I keep poking him, when you were telling me about your neighbor and, and you were doing this and you were doing that, I says, everybody in the tower thought that you were on my case, chew me out for something. So from now on, I have the last word, and I turn around and walked away. <laughs> so, it's one of those things that, you know, we see something and uh, we, we right away assume it's it's something else. And, and rumor gets going. Um, you know, I, I love the Internet, but a lot of times people have a little bit of information. It's not just the Internet, but people have a little bit of information. And uh, they put that together with some other rumor they heard, and all of a sudden it becomes gospel. Right, right. Uh, like I said, Jessica told me that story. She said it would probably you'd, you'd uh, have a good time explaining that that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what I would like to do is first off, again, please thank you for taking the time to come on, hanging out with us. I want to introduce you to my co-host tonight. First off is Kelly Barbado. She hosts our Monday night show during the racing season. It's our Wheels Up Radio weekend wrap-up show. She's kind of going to run the ship tonight. Um, so, again, Kelly Barbado, go right ahead and say hi. Hi, Graham. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, Kelly. You still got your 68 Camaro? Yes. <laughs> yes, proud <laughs> proud owner. I, I, I'm only 35 years old, and I feel like I'm going to drive at them. We're losing you, Cal. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, there you go. Now you're back. There you're back. There you go. Um, yes. And, of course, our other co-host for the evening is the uh, the tired and stressed out college student, Kelly Kondratik. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Hi Graham. Thanks for coming on the show. You know, I, I really appreciate you giving us two uh, interviewers that their name first name's the same. I can't mess it up. <laughs> well, uh, we we kind of have a running joke that it's Kelly with an I is Kelly uh-huh. Barbado, Kelly with a Y is Kelly Kondratik. Of course, I'm the only one besides them that knows that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but, again, they're going to interview you this evening. They have a whole bunch of great questions. And, um, ladies, do you think? Okay. Um, so, Grib, we're going to start with, um, obviously, you know, you, you know you know what's going on in the world. You saw about a month ago IHRA announced that they're no longer going to be having sportsman racing, which basically left a lot of people, you know, more the southern, you know, where the, where the IHRA, you know, tracks are. They were sort of left with no, you know, those extra races if they would run both or if they only ran IHRA, they were sort of left scratching their heads, sort of questioning everything. And so people that run the NHRA full-time with like myself, 
I think we all get a little nervous. We see news like that and wonder, is that something that NHRA could be thinking about? So if you would have to give like a state of the sportsman address, what would you say is the state of sportsman racing right now in NHRA? Well, first off, I think comparing NHRA to IHRA, it's, it's, two different companies, two different missions, um, okay. and, and I can't really respond or comment on what they are or aren't doing. Um, you know, our our mission remains unchanged from 1951 when Wally Parks created NHRA, and that was to create um, as safe as possible environments away from street racing and, and to allow a place for people to run, uh, car enthusiasts to run their hot rods. And, uh, you know, everything you see on TV, of course, is a big show. It's a national event. It's John Forrest. It's Tony Schumacher. Um, and, and that's it, – it's evolved to a certain degree to that, but our mission is still intact today of providing places for people to go out and enjoy the hobby of racing, whether it be a top sportsman car or super cop car like you have – or uh, an ET motorcycle, and and that mission will continue. That's our division directors work very hard at at that level, and um, so it, it's healthy. Um, you know, our participant numbers, new licenses in 2017 was up uh, slightly over 2016, and it was all uh, primarily at the ET racing level. Um, I don't know if that has an impact because of what's happening at IHRA or not, uh, but we welcome their racers to come over and, and sample us and, and race with us. We welcome the racetracks to come over. Um, we're in the business of, of creating activity, creating safe venues, and um, you know that that mission will continue. That's that feel, makes me feel good as a sportsman racer with a. Throttle stop car, that definitely makes you sleep better at night knowing that. Um, Kelly, go ahead. So as a student of policy and law, um, I'm interested in how rules uh, come about and how we get some of these NHRA rules that we have. So I'm curious, uh, what's the creation and approval process for rule changes and new policies at NHRA? And um, who has a seat at the table in making those decisions? Okay, you're breaking up a little bit, but I think you were looking at, at the process for rules making. Um, yep. You know, the there, there's a number of ways that rules get made. One is um, on a reaction to an unfortunate incident. Um, how can you improve? How can you prevent somebody else in the future having such an incident getting hurt or something? Uh, so that that's reactive. There's a lot of rules that are made proactively based on new technology that comes down the pike, whether it be better seats, better roll cages, better materials, better methods, and those are implemented on a proactive basis. Um, You never hear much about them because hopefully it does what it's intended to do and and you don't have injuries, you don't have accidents uh, because of those proactive rules that were put in place. our form of motorsports is, I don't have to tell you, it's more complex than any other form of motorsports on the planet. Um, you know, sometimes I envy 
NASCAR or IndyCar that they have one type of vehicle, and and you know, but and we don't. Ours is complex. We've got short cars and long cars, and 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 four-cylinder cars and V8s and gasoline and supercharged. You know, we get the mix of everything, and that's one of the things that's made our sport so successful is that variety that when you come to a, an NHRA event, you you can see whatever is, is your favorite thing, whether it's a motorcycle. We have motorcycles, whether it's roadsters or full-body cars or dragsters. We get the whole gamut. Um so what we do to make the rules, we obviously have a full-time tech department, which is uh, based mostly in Indianapolis at our facility there, but we also have uh, tech people here in Glendora. And then we have our seven uh, geographic divisions where we have full-time division directors. All of them sit on the overall rules committee. Then we, we dissect that and have individual groups, those that that understand and, and have grown up with stock super stock. Um, they'll be in that group. And then we have the super categories. Uh, then we have alcohol and the pros and so on. Um, we have another great source of input is the Sportsman Racer Advisory Councils, which we have uh, made up all around the country. We have a, a division director will chair those meetings. And we have one for each category. We've got one for the super categories, one for stock, super stock, one for comp, one for alcohol. And the idea there is we can't talk to everybody, to every racer, so our hopes are that they are getting the pulse of what's happening in their category uh, and, and bring that to us. Um, you know, we're we're in a position, our tech department's in a position that uh, – it's kind of like a, a police officer. Uh, you're not the most popular person at times because they are enforcing rules and, and making rules, and and uh, not everybody's going to agree with that. But it's a, a a process that, as I say, we we try to improve the safety of the car. Safety is number one, obviously. Um, and new technology comes along, makes things better. And uh, it's a combination of racers, of, of our people, our dedicated people that work with on the technical side day in and day out. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, I think that hinted at it, that there's, you know, it's, it's a lot of people that um, weigh into these decisions. And, you know, there are, the racer's voice is in there, um, you know, at some level. So thank you for that. Go ahead, Tom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, one of the things that I noticed when the sportsman schedule came out um, for the year and the quotas, I noticed that in some cases that some of the quotas dropped by almost 10 cars. And I wanted to know, it's sort of a two-part question, you know, how does it get decided how many cars and I guess even which classes and the rotations and whether there'll be a rotation between national events and the vision, whether there won't be, and, you know, because when we see something like that, like when we see it drop down, again, there are a lot of drag racers that want to be doomsday and sees that and says, well, the next step is we'll just not be invited to national events. So maybe there's a way you can put those drivers at ease or, you know, or what what is like sort of the method, uh, you know, behind the madness of, you know, the quotas and lowering them and increasing them and things like that. Well, I'll give you a little background of how the quota started. It all started from an event in Gainesville one year at the Gator Nationals. Um, Like many years, we had some weather 
problems. And being in Florida, it's it's uh, you know swamplands. <laughs> you put a shovel in the ground and you get to hit water. So it doesn't take much water to to uh, destroy some of the pit areas. So we we had this before quotas. We had uh, a huge car count. Uh, we couldn't park everybody in the pit area, so we had about 40 or 50 cars parked in the spectator parking lot because there was no el- nowhere else to park them. Um, we had rejected some entries at that time uh, because we, we didn't have the the grading system in place. We we did have quotas, sort of. They, they weren't even published. Um, and, and we just got to a point so this is all this event can happen or can handle, and that's based on the available time, running time. It's based on the available space you have. Well, we left some people at home. They weren't happy. We brought everybody in that we could and had, as I say, 50 cars or so in the spectator parking lot. Well, they weren't happy, okay? Then we started running these cars, and we had a few weather challenges and had to cancel some sessions. Well, the people that got a session canceled wasn't happy. When we left that race, we thought, you know, we haven't made anybody happy here. The people that didn't get to come to the race, they're mad at us. The people that parked in the spectator parking lot are mad, and I understand that. I, I, I'd be mad too. And the people that had a run scrub, scrub problem, was they're mad. So we've got to do something, and that's when we, we really went into initially uh, alternating classes. So one year we would maybe not run super gas at Gainesville and run super comp, and then the next year it would alter. Well, that, that wasn't popular, and it, as we saw more and more people running two cars. Uh, they typically will run maybe a super gas and a super comp car, or they'll run a stock and a super stock car. So we thought we we need to include all those classes to accommodate those people and and so on. And, and if you're a super gas racer, you may very well have a buddy or neighbor that has a super comp car or so on. So we put all the categories back in, but actually set quotas and published them online so everybody knew what it was. It wasn't some arbitrary number or some you know, hidden agenda that NHRA had. Um, but when you look at, at what we're trying to accomplish here is give our customer, which is a racer, a good experience. We're trying to we're trying to have a manageable race in in numbers and you know so on, where you can come and you can get your three qualifying runs uh, if the weather permits and and run, and you've got a fairly decent pit space and so on. And the only way you can do that is by by limiting the numbers of, of uh, entries. Um, you know, what hasn't helped, and I've had people say, well, gee, you used to have 1,000 cars at Indy, now you've got 800. The size of the rigs today uh, occupy more space. Um, you know, I I don't know if you know. I I used to race. I started racing in comp eliminator, and mm-hmm. then moved into top fuel in the early 70s. But we used to have a uh, fifth wheel uh, gooseneck trailer, chaparral trailer with a dually crew cab, for the top fuel car. Well, gosh, you know, you look at some of these toter homes and these rigs that that everybody has, pros and sportsmen. Guilty. Um, <laughs> You know, it just takes all this space. So you run out of space. 
Uh, we want to have time uh, to give everybody that does come to the race uh, an enjoyable uh, event. So that's kind of why the quotas came. I mean, nobody should read anything into it that we're, uh, you know, we got this long-range plan to eliminate sportsman racing from national events because that's not the case. Um, you know, over time, we, we may see sportsmen, the look of sportsmen change. It's changed in, in in my lifetime. We used to have top gas. We used to have all these different categories that, that don't exist anymore. And when I started with NHRA, super gas didn't exist. And, and a group of racers put had these heads-up pro-gas cars, they called them, and, and then HRA adopted it and created a, a category, and it became very successful. So things like that will change, but that's that's uh, we don't sit in the dark room and say, let's see, how how can we eliminate this? How can we mess these racers up? That, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> Definitely. Again, makes, makes you sleep better at night. Um, Kelly, go ahead. Uh, well, following up a little bit, <clears throat> sorry, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, following up on the quotas, um, I'm going to throw a little bit of a scenario out there that's kind of come up in the recent years as quotas are reduced. Uh, looking at the example of Supercomp, in Supercomp, 11 of the 24 national event races have quotas of 64 cars or higher, you know, or 60. 60, over 64 is that magical number for additional rounds and, and people gaining more points. Um, so those 11 races are only whole, held in five of the seven divisions across the country. Um, Division one doesn't have any of these additional round races, while Division seven has four of the 11 total. And um, simply put, the car, the car counts are kind of disproportionately disadvantaging certain divisions from producing world champions as feasibly as others. Um, what's your response to car count distribution across the divisions at the national event uh, in terms of national points chasing? Well, um, I mean, that's a good question. And, and I, I'll be honest with you that we we don't set the quotas, uh, at least we haven't, and maybe we should be. Um, we haven't set quotas based on uh, ability for earning points. It's been, as I said earlier, it's been solely space availability, running time availability. You know, you're in in the Northeast. You know that English Town, for instance, we can't start cars till 10 a.m. You lose a couple of hours each day of, of available run time. Uh, then we get a lot of tracks um, with curfews. We get a lot of tracks that. Uh, particularly in the spring and the fall, you run into darkness and, and uh, less than maybe adequate lighting, maybe temperature problems that, that uh, routinely affect. So that's really what uh, what sets the quotas. And, um, and we also look at previous car counts on quotas. If you see a category that the numbers are starting to diminish and Maybe they're leaving that category and going to, let's say, top sportsman or top dragster. Um, then you can adjust that quota downward and allow another category that's still um, supporting it a, a little more. So it, 
I think you bring up a very valid point, and I think it's a point that we need to look at moving forward um, to analyze that, because quite frankly, we we haven't, you know. Well, actually, I really want to commend you on, um, you know, recognizing the flexibility or the understanding of listening to the racers' opinions in that, because um, I, I also want to throw the caveat out there. We have some of our West Coast racers listening. I'm not saying that you guys have it easier than us or crying about how hard it is or any of that. I just want to make that clear because we love you guys, and uh, you guys definitely earn your championship. But I just want to throw that out there, too. <laughs> well, I, I would say no matter what the quote is or, or what uh... – the rules are your categories, all categories, but your category, none of them are easy. <laughs> so whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast, there is no such thing as, as easy racing. I, it's really phenomenal to sit in the tower and watch, watch the numbers and the consistency and, and what can do. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, it's something that we really can't translate to the new fan as to how good these some of these racers are, a lot of racers are, um, because it's phenomenal when you you think of, of we're dealing with thousands of seconds and to repeat run after run after run. You know, I, I, I kiddingly told Steve Williams one day we're talking about how tough his category was and, and joking, and Steve and I are, are, are I'd like to think fairly good friends, but. I told him, I says, you know, you run one of the easiest categories there is. And, he, and at the time, he was, had a super comp car. He says, what do you mean? I says, well, you know how quick you have to run to win a race. A guy in comp doesn't know how quick he has to run or pro stock or pro stock motorcycle. But it was in fun. I'm not, you know, not belittling, by, belittling the category by any means because it's uh, – it's like I told them, everybody at the award ceremony this year, everybody in that room was a champion, whether you're the first place or the 10th place, because it's, uh, it's tough. For sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, Kel or Chris, looking at the time, I don't know who wants to take the next one. Um, I think Chris, I'm going to ask a um listener question. I was yeah, I was going to ask a listener question. I was going to give a little bank of some questions that we asked uh, our listeners. And here's one of them. Um what are your thoughts on educating the watching audience with uh tutorial time on TV explaining how the average person can get involved with the sport on a sportsman level? I I mean, I know that you basically, you know, w- when we go to um the national events, every track usually gets to pick. And, um, you know, in some cases it's 1150 index, sometimes it's junior street, things like that. Has there been talk about maybe putting these on television or putting sportsmen more on television, spotlighting a certain class, sort of stating that, yes, there are, you know, not to say that I don't put a lot of money in my car, but, I mean, an average person, a middle-class family can run one of these cars and be pretty competitive. So, has there ever been any talk about adding more sports and stuff to um, Fox Sports and on the national on, with the um, with the professionals? I know there is a sportsman show, obviously. Um, yeah, I think anybody that's watched our shows for a few years will notice that 
um, we we changed from one network to Fox, and and in that same process, we took over all the the uh, production of the TV show in house. And our philosophy when we did that was that we want to show the people at home uh, what an NHRA event is all about. It's not just about two cars going down the racetrack side by side. That's exciting. That's that's entertaining. But it's it's a it's a happening. It's you can go into the pits, you can go to the racers, whether it be a sportsman racer or a pro racer, it doesn't matter. You can go up and watch them work on their car and, and we try and convey the diversity in racing. As I said earlier, we have something that appeals to everybody, whether you're a motorcycle fan, whether you're a four-cylinder fan, whether you're a 500 cubic inch supercharged nitro-burning fan. We have something for everybody, and we've been trying to convey that over the, the TV show uh, to try and obviously entice people to come to the race, uh, but also to, to really educate them as to what we're all about. Uh, we do at every national event run an exhibition of junior dragsters, where you know that that's obviously the youngest entry level uh, spot for somebody coming into our sport. They can do it as young as five years old. We run them, and a lot of times a run has been shown on television with an explanation of who they are and what they are. Um, you know, you do you do run into a time problem on television when you run a three-hour show and you take the commercial times out. It's a lot of stuff to cram into that period of time. Um, you know, Kelly, you mentioned that we do have a sportsman show, and that airs a lot more now than we used to with the previous network we were on. So they have a lot of re-airs. It's more current. It airs within two weeks of the national event. Uh, and that is solely sportsman racing. So I think, you know, if you go back two years, three years, and look at what was on TV versus today, I think you come away saying there's a lot more um, than there used to be. Uh, what we are doing, and it's pretty exciting, we're excited about it for this year, we're going to put a welcome center in at every national event. So when the fan comes in the gate, we'll have a big welcome center, which will have uh, hostesses and hosts talking about the event, uh, handout schedules. We're going to give tours, uh, kind of like if you go on a cruise and you book a tour through the cruise ship, you follow this tour guide and, and get an explanation of, of the history and what's going on. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to walk people through the midway, through the pits, through different areas, and, and give them a, a education as what's going on, what is what's interesting, what's to see, what's available, where you should be uh, at certain times. So, uh, I think we're going in that direction. Um, you know, it's it's all obviously uh, available time and and so on to put on the air as to you know. We, the, the Mellow Yellow Show is obviously about the professional categories, and, and we've got to give them their their dues. Um, but I think, you know, if you honestly look at it, you're going to see that there has been a lot more sportsman coverage than in the past. Did I, did I lose you guys? Uh, no, I'm still no, here. Still... No, I'm still here. 
No, I, 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 I just realized I was on mute. Um, no, I was just going to agree with you because I went to a drag boat race a couple of years ago, and they gave us a little pamphlet and explained every class and what they were doing. You know, whether there was an index class, a first to the finish, and it was great. And I thought, wow, I wish they had this at a national event for an average spectator that probably heard my car going down the track and wondered what was wrong with it and why it was stuttering and then it spurted sure. and then it took back off again. So it's, it's great to be, you know, to have that welcome center. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to have to visit it next year when I get to English town. Well, you know, I, I go back to what I said earlier that, that we have an extremely complex form of motor racing and, and um, it's hard. It's hard to, to convey over television or radio or even one-on-one exactly how it works. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing this 50 years. I'm not sure I know exactly how it works. But, (laughs) you know, even if you you were to sit in the grandstands and and try and educate somebody new, you say, well, here, this category, look, that's the stage lights, they... Lights come green, they go, and the first one there wins. And, and you go through a few of those cars, and you say, well, now, this is the same, except um, they're racing on an index, whether it be 890, 990, um, and, gee, he ran too quick, he loses. You know, and you start scratching your head. And the next category comes up, and now it's not heads up. The tree comes down on one side, it comes down on the other side. We know what it is, um, mm-hmm. but to some fan coming in, you don't. And I, you know, I I'll tell you a little story. I, I got some friends that are very good, are very uh, big um, California Angels baseball fans, and and we went to a game with them. And and I've really not gone to many baseball games in my life, but my wife and I go, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this this massive board, the scoreboard out in the outfield. And it's got all these numbers and, and abbreviations, RBI, ABC, DEF, all these things, um, and numbers. And I'm thinking, what the hell is that? And I'm trying, I could figure out some of them. I couldn't figure out the others. And, and it dawned on me that for a, a first-timer to drag race, he or she is overwhelmed by all those numbers and, and the complexity of it. You know, and I look at baseball and it, it seems like a simple game. You hit the ball, you run to first base, second base, third base, and come in. Well, when you get into it, it's not that simple. And there's all these statistics and these numbers. And then I listen to our announcers, who all do a great job, by the way, Alan and Brian and, mm-hmm. and all the guys. Um, but, you know, it's, it's got O2 on the tree and, you know, and this and that and, and at the stripe and the, and the package, and, and if I if I didn't know what he was talking about, I'd scratch my head. And boy, this has got to be confusing. So, because of the complexity of our our sport, it, it, I think you're absolutely right. We need to do more of of educating and training, particularly the first timers, because you know we got the the core fan that understands, and, and they're going to follow our sport. Um, to grow, we need to get these these younger kids and people that don't understand the sport, and, and we need to teach them, and, and we need to get them hooked. And whether they come back as a radio announcer announcing on a uh, motorsports show, or they come back as a driver, or or, or a 
PR person. We don't care. We just want them to be involved in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly, pick uh, one more question, anyone you want, and then Chris is going to round it out. Go ahead. Do you want me to do a listener question? I think we could get sure. a listener one more. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk chopper in the background. All right, we got it. Um, earlier, Grant, you mentioned about the junior drag racing program. Um, do you think, and how it, you know, we have it at one of the races, um, kind of as a special thing, um, the junior drag racing programs experienced tremendous growth over the last 25 years, and some divisions, including the Northeast Division, um, have started to involve them at a divisional level at certain races, and um, eventually onto the whole division. In the future, do you see the junior dragster program being formally adopted at a larger scale and invited to run an HRA National Series? Well, I yeah, right. The the program first off has, has been phenomenal and uh you know, what what's encouraging about it is the numbers of participants since its inception have pretty well stayed the same, which means there they've got new kids coming in all the time because it's one thing to look at Supercomp and say your numbers are the same today as they were twenty years ago. Well, you may have the same drivers except they're twenty years older. Um with junior dragster, you enter a certain age and you have to exit at a certain age. So if you maintain those numbers, it's obviously you got new new uh, uh, people coming in or kids coming in. I think though you got to be careful of creating national series. Um, this is truly a, a grassroots entry level to get kids involved, to get parents, and, and so on. And if you take it to a national level, uh, it, it immediately starts driving up the cost. And um, there's there's nothing, I think, more discouraging than a, a kid that, that their parents can't afford to follow the national series. Um, so I think you got to be careful at that. I mean, we've got a, an Eastern Conference championship and, and so on, and, and those have gone well. Uh, I know most divisions, I think all the divisions now actually have uh, junior dragsters uh, championships within the division. But, but I'd be hesitant to, to, I think we just have to be careful about going on a national, um, a national circuit with, with that level. For sure. I think that brings up a really good point. Um, you know, I know plenty of, we have plenty of listeners that are involved with the junior program, either as drivers or as parents or as getting it adopted to the divisional level. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to entertain that for a little bit and, uh, and, and welcome them into the conversation as well. Um, I don't, do you have time for one more question or how are we looking here? Um, I will leave it up to Graham. Graham, do you have time for what will equal out to two more questions, and then we can sh- let Absolutely. you get back to work? Sure. All right. Well, our, our work day is almost over. It's almost five. You're working overtime. <laughs> there Kelly, is no time Kelly, do you get paid either. for overtime? At my no. regular job, I do. <laughs> 
Come on, Chris. Come on now. You got to pay these ladies they, they overtime. Get, they get my they get my incredible gratitude, and the they we're we're a, we're just a, we're a hell of a happy team here. <laughs> well, that, that's good. But if you paid them more, they'd be able to go to more races. Well, you know, that's something we can talk about down the road. We'll see what the racing season brings. I am building another car, you know. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> All right, Graham. Well, I do have one question that um, came in in kind of a high priority from some of our listeners. Um, what would be the possibility of changing the Sportsman Pro Tree from 370 back to 410? Um, some sportsmen races, some sportsmen racers um, can't do the 370 tree, and they no longer race the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series and the NHRA national events because of the change. Um, would you be able to explain the reasoning behind the change in the first place, and then the possibility of it being reviewed and reverted um, to make it more feasible for sportsmen racers? Well, yeah, I'll give you the exact reason for the change. Um, when we went to the LED uh, amber lights on the tree, the, an LED is an instant light, unlike a uh, incandescent bulb that takes a, a fraction of a second to gain its brightness. And this came from a number of racers, particularly the super gas, super comp people, who are very in tune with with uh, the starting line and the tree and so on. Um, but they were seeing the light sooner than they were with the old incandescent uh, amber bulbs. So the timing equipment manufacturer, CompuLink, actually built in an LED compensation uh, feature into it. And what it did through testing and, and evaluation with race teams and, and, and so on, um, the LEDs, you were seeing the light a um, uh, 03 quicker than you were with the old incandescent. So hence it went to 370, which is a difference. So the whole theory was that you would see the light the same time that you were seeing the incandescent. Does that, that make sense? It does make sense, and I've, I've heard that theory um, actually plenty of times with why the change came about, but there's also a concern about cars not being able to perform at that level. Um, I know personally, speaking a little bit anecdotally, my car, where it could meet, um, when we built my new motor, it could meet the mile an hour and the ET from Super Street to Super Gap. Um, it couldn't meet the requirements for leaving the tree. Um, it, it just wouldn't get out of its own way, and and it, it it does make a little bit of a difference. So I'm just wondering um, to what extent that could ever possibly be reviewed, or if that would ever be on a consideration for being changed um, if the voices of racers were loud enough and resounding enough. Well, now. yeah, I mean we we will obviously review anything, um, and if there's a uh, if this is a big deal and, and enough racers support a change, we could certainly, it's easy to do. I mean, it doesn't even take any hardware change. Um, but your car should react. If we went back to incandescent bulbs and, and made it a 400 tree 
in essence, you're going to see the light the same time you're seeing it now. So your 60-foot times and so on shouldn't change. Your reaction time shouldn't change. Because that was the whole idea of, of the incandes or the uh, the LED compensation. Because there may even I don't know if there's any divisional events where they still use incandescent bulbs. Probably not anymore. But when we first made the switch, we were using LEDs exclusively at national events, and divisional a lot of divisional events still had the incandescent. So this was made as an equalizer, so that no matter what kind of tree you had the driver was going to see the light at the same time. But, I mean, if, you know, back to your, your question, if there was a overwhelming support to go back to 400, I mean, that's that, that's an easy change. You can change that on site. Right. And I think, um, you know, I, I said speaking anecdotally because I personally experienced it, but I... It is kind of a, a rumor or a, a little bit of a buzz around the pits that sometimes that that is um, cost preventative or cost um, prohibitive of um, some people getting into the sport and even coming into from bracket racing into uh, being racing our series. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that does answer my question well, and, and I think that. If there is a loud enough cheer for it, maybe we can maybe we can move that up the pipeline. And uh, I'm sure that racers will be talking about it a little bit more. Maybe we can get a little more organized and see if that's something everybody would be good for. Well, we'll, we'll put yeah. you in charge of getting the data. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. Research is my is my thing nowadays. So. All right. <laughs> that that it is. Ever since she got involved with us, she's she's our research queen. <laughs> So, we could go, like, hours, a couple more hours probably with all the questions we have, but obviously we we can't. Um, but I think the question that I'm going to close this just out with might encompass a lot of the questions that we, people have submitted to us. If you could get one message across to all the sportsman racers, even with everything we have or have not talked about tonight, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, I, I guess I would like them to truly understand how much they are appreciated. And, I, I mean, without the sportsman racers, the sport would not be what it is today. And, uh, and that goes back to 1951 when Wally created all of this that we do they're an integral part of all aspects of our business um, they are our customers we appreciate them and you know, you know I guess the, the, the real thing I, I like to point out is that all the people you see working at the events whether it be a divisional points race or a national event or the ET finals those NHRA employees and workers are not doing it for um, the glory, they're not doing it for uh, the compensation, they're doing it because they're passionate for the sport and I don't mind in my position people disagreeing and, and yelling at me and, and being mad I, I do take offense when 
a tech inspector or starting line personnel or a pit control person uh, that a racer is, is young and screaming at them because they don't have to be there to make a living. They're doing it there for you, for the racer. Our safety safari guys are there because they want to be. They love the sport. They want to help pit control, staging, the girls in the uh, registration trailer, the tower. So we all have a passion for this sport. And, and uh, you know, I, I grew up in the sport. This is all I've done most of my life. I, I feel very fortunate to have been able to take what was a hobby and convert it to a livelihood. Um, you know, could I make as much money or more money in a normal job that, that gave me my weekends off? Probably could. Uh, but I wouldn't be happy doing it. And, and, you know, we all have frustrations in whatever we do, but it's a good sport. We've got a lot of good people, racers, officials, track operators, sponsors. Um, you know, we all do this because we love it. And and uh, I, I just don't know that the masses out there believe that all the time. Um but trust me, we, we've got a lot of good people that just are so passionate about all forms of racing, not just professional racing. The professionals, I mean, we've got to admire what they do. That's that's what sells the tickets to the national events, and, and those national events are extremely important to the sportsman-level racing because that's our major financial engine that drives this company is spectator admissions of national events, and that pays for all our sportsman uh, initiatives that we have around the country. Very cool. I can totally respect that answer, sir. So, are we going to go another um, five hours? <laughs> oh, right. We probably could, but unfortunately, I mean, we 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 won't want to torture you for that for that long. Um, no, no torture at all. I, mean, I, I appreciate it. No, I, I truly appreciate. Like I said, you know, I know I've been bugging you for a while um, to come on, and I'm glad we were able to make it work out. Um, we've been looking forward to this until, you know, right up from when you agreed to come on, and t- up till tonight. I was sitting here. All we, the two of us, have been talking all day long. Um, me, well, actually, three of us: me, Kelly, and Kelly. And, um, again, I truly appreciate your time. It was nice to, to get your perspective on things. Obviously, we we still had a ton more questions we could have asked, but, um, you know, I maybe people got a different feel for where you're coming from by actually hearing your voice and the sincerity that you have in your voice instead of just, you know, a, a typical you know, stiff corporate type answer that you hear, you know, on the news or on TV in general. Um, Again, I I just, I thank you very much for your time. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we can do this again. You know, Jessica uh, put the arm on me, said you got to do this. And uh, (laughs) Jessica's new to our company and doing a great job. So I thought, well, I better do what she tells me to. There you go. Well, again, Graham, uh, thank you again for your time. Um, ladies, go ahead. Um, Graham, hey. I really oh. appreciate it. Oh, sorry, Cal. We, we no, you go, Cal. 
I know. Um, I really appreciate it. And I, I know there's like a whole campfire of guys out there, guys and gals out there at the TRI show, um, sitting around listening and I also really appreciate it. Um, so from the sportsman racers, thank you so much for taking the time, um, and building this, this start of a relationship with us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And, uh, when you're at the next national event, look me up and say hi. I will Absolutely. do that, sir. Thank you. And I echo Barbado. everything other Kelly said. <laughs> no, I echo everything <laughs> Kelly said. I, I do try to keep always a positive attitude when going to any kind of drag race because I signed up for this. This is what I wanted my life to be like. And I think there's some people that sort of lose sight of that sometimes and act like, you know, they're forced to be there and they're going to have bad attitudes. And I really feel and I really hope that everybody heard, as you said, the sincerity in your voice and realized, you know, we're all in this together. Sometimes, you know, there is some things that you may not agree with, but in the end, we're doing this all for fun. And we, we, and, and we trust that you have our best interests in mind. And we, you know, we appreciate that. And I'm going to continue with my positive attitude at any kind of race, knowing that, you know, you guys are looking out for us and, you know, I I don't have to be there. This is where I want to be. That's, this is where I spend all my money. So me, my fiance, and my dad, everybody that you know I'm closest with. This is what this is like our life thing. So it's what we do. Well, I really, uh, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure, and I will tell you that everybody in in NHRA, um, whether it be marketing or or any department, they the decisions they make are made in their mind with what's best for the sport. Um, sometimes we're like anybody else. We, we make mistakes. It's no different than a crew chief on a race car. He, he thinks he or th- she thinks this is the right tune up to put in the car and it goes out and smokes the tires or, or does whatever. So nobody's perfect. None of us always make the right decisions, but I can guarantee you the decisions we make at the time, we believe is the right thing. And sometimes it's not, okay? Just like any business, you hope you make more right decisions than wrong decisions. Um, And I can leave you with this. I've always, I've used this before. I view NHRA, the sport of NHRA, drag racing, as a big pyramid. And on the very top of the pyramid, you've got the professional racers. You've got Robert Height, and you've got Brittany Force, and and you know, Bo Butner and Eddie Craywick, that's at the top. At the bottom, at the base of the pyramid, you've got the junior dragsters and the thousands of thousands of ET racers. And then throughout this pyramid, all of us fit in there, whether we're officials, whether we're chassis builders, whether we're uh, motorsports announcers, we're all in this pyramid of NHRA drag racing. And the bigger you can make that base, the bigger the grassroots base becomes, the bigger the pyramid becomes. And as the pyramid gets bigger, everybody within it benefits. John Force benefits. You know, the Kellys, you benefit. It doesn't matter who you are. David Rampey, you know, Dan Fletcher, everybody benefits. Um, so we should all work together. We all got the same common goal. Our method of getting to that goal may be different. Our role in the sport is different, uh, but our objective should be the same. Very cool. Well, again, Grant, 
thank you for your time. Hopefully we can uh, catch catch up with each other a few more times throughout the year and, you know, make some progress. All right. Well, thanks, Chris, Kelly. Kelly, thank you all. Thank you all. <laughs> all right, Graham. Again, Graham Light was our guest tonight, the Senior VP of Racing Operations and member of the Board of Directors of the National Hot Rod Association. Um, Graham, thank you again, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Will do. Good night. Good night. Uh, all right. Good night, Graham. Good night. All right, gang. Um, why don't we take a couple breaks? Everybody get up, stretch their legs, and uh, let me just find a commercial. And we will be right back. Just like drag racing, it's all about having the power you need when you need it. It's the same for your business. You need power to keep the lights on and business humming. That's where Power Technologies Electrical Contractors comes in. Your single source electrical contractor for all your industrial, commercial, retail, and fire alarm needs. Proudly serving New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Maine, PowerTech has the staff and the equipment to get your project done on time and on budget. It's all about the power at Power Technologies Electrical Contractors. Call them at 603-898-4223. That's 603-898-4223. Or check them out online at PowerTechNH.com. Founded in 1959, S&W Performance Group is known worldwide as the leader in drag race chassis development and innovation. Their custom-built, award-winning S&W race cars are used by many of the leading NHRA and IHRA professional nostalgia and sportsman race teams. Their 27,000-square-foot headquarters houses a full line of affordable chassis kits, roll bars and roll cages, suspension parts, rollers to complete race cars, and much more. Specialized made-in-the-USA bolt-on products by S&W Race Parts, CamaroGuys.com and MustangGuys.com are used by do-it-yourselfers and professionals around the world. S&W Rod Parts are designed for use in custom cars, pro street cars, pro touring cars, street rods, and rat rods. Specialized components are also produced for off-road trucks and RVs. The commercial division, S&W Precision Specialties, provides water jet cutting, MIG and TIG welding, sheet metal forming, round or rectangular tube bending, and a full-service machine shop that includes custom-built trophies and awards. For more information, visit www.swracecars.com or call 800-523-3353. I'm a real wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Like a fool, 
get along. Well, I think the answer to that question right there is a resounding yes. I agree. Great. We're all going to be happy people. Um, we were supposed to have another guest joining us at the in the eight o'clock hour, um, but he has not called in. But that's okay. Um, well, ladies, Mike, how do you think it went? Um, I think it went well. I'm excited and hopeful. You know, Graham seems pretty interested in continuing these talks and continuing to. Um, recognize Wheels Up Radio um, in this relationship kind of thing that we've we've established or started. So I think that's great. Um, and I think maybe you know, as this builds, who knows who knows where it'll go, and who knows um, what kind of topics we could get into any other time. But um, I really appreciate that he entertained us and got on with our crazy selves for a little while. What do you think, Kel? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think it went really well, and he seemed pretty open. I mean, I I I was actually, a, you know, I was I was not that I was surprised how I was hoping that this was how it was going to go. And he, you know, he didn't just answer a yes or no question. He elaborated. He, you know, he explained. I think I mean, like I like I and I wasn't kidding when I said, you know, it sort of would make a sports and racer sleep a little bit better at night knowing. You know, a lot of IHRA guys woke up in the morning thinking, I'm going to run the IHRA schedule next year, and I'm going to run my quick rod car. And then that night they went to bed, what am I going to do? The closest NHRA track is so far away. I don't want to run NHRA, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's nice to have the feeling that that, you know, from from what we're we're hearing, that's not going to happen for a long time if not. And if it would, it would be like an evolutionary thing. We understood, you know, I understood where he's coming from. Because, yes, there are classes that don't run anymore. Modified, pro-comp, there's other, you know, and super gas came of that. Doesn't mean that the dot .90 categories are going to go away or stock super stock. They could evolve. Meaning the top sportsmen and top drags are coming around. That's part of this evolution. Uh, obviously, for those who are still listening, we didn't. We there was no way to get to all the questions. Um, we would have needed, like he was joking around, saying probably five hours to uh, to get through that. But we can. We're going to hold on to those questions and um, you know work on it more and more down the road. Um, Mike, I, I apologize. Obviously, you and me had a communication problem. Uh, but yeah, the girls did all the legwork, so this was this one was for, this one was for the ladies. Um, but sitting back, listening to the conversation, give us your point of view. Well, you know, a lot of what he said, and you know, if you believe it to be true, it sounds certainly good that you know sportsman racing isn't going anywhere, and it just you know. It's one of them things, you know, I want to see, you know, how things, you know, I know, I knew a little bit about the quota system. I didn't know about the story from Gainesville about, you know, getting out in the parking lot and stuff, but 
rigs, we all know, you know, when I started racing, or even before I was actually competing, very few people had stacker traders or motorhomes or both. Now it seems like, for the most part, everybody has one or both. So, you know, you can't obviously expand the pit area at a given racetrack unless you have a bunch of property you can expand. So, you know, something had to go, and he kind of laid it out why and how some of that came to be. Very true. So, uh, Ms. Kondratik, you're jumping on an airplane tomorrow, and you're flying off to Indy. Uh, that may or may not be true. I don't know who's watching right now, so I may or may not be able to confirm that. And, uh, but, I mean, I guess I did just announce it to my live feed that I am. So uh, I apologize to any professors that may be watching or <laughs> may know about this uh, little thing that I have oops. going on. But Sorry. It's really, it's, it'll be all right. Um, I'm doing lots of homework. Sorry. Lots of professional development, and it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Sorry. Tomorrow, don't worry about it. I actually, during the oh. commercial break, I said to listeners that are watching, too, if they're at the PRI show to find me. Um, so any listeners that are listening through the phone or listening through online on Blog Talk Radio, if you find me at the PRI show, if you see me, if you see me handing out these little cards, on the back of the card is our Wheels Up Radio schedule for 2018. It has a QR code scanner on it so that you can scan and get right to the listening page where you can listen to our show. Um, and then there's information on the front if you want to get in contact with us um, about any specific topics or ideas or, you know, all of those wonderful things. Or if you just want to say hi, you can do that. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to PRS at 2, make sure you stop me if I hand you one of these little cards because I'm just going to be passing out all of them. And before I forget, I um, would invite everybody to go to the MGP Connecting Rods booth. Um, the driver of uh, the John Card Racing um Top Alcohol, Procomp, Dragster, Stacey McGlory is going to be out there, as well as John Card from Sassy Racing Engines and Anthony Giovanni from uh, MGP will be there talking about their products. Um, lots of stuff going on that I can't quite talk about yet. We're going to get into that a little bit more next Wednesday. Um, but don't forget about us while you're out there, Kelly. Oh, I totally will. So I forgot to say that. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. Bump it bump. Dad and I might be doing some <laughs> live feeds, just us uh, walking around the PRI show. So if you don't follow me on Facebook, um, Chris Chris does. So Chris push it through the Wheels Up Radio page, and um, maybe we'll do some boost check-ins to um, let everybody know what's going on at the PRI show. Without- <laughs> yeah. So there's Sorry. that. Couldn't resist. This is my first. Yep. Oh, and then 
Saturday night, I get to get, you know that like one time a year, Kelly knows it very well, that we get to get dressed up and see all our friends again in the middle of the winter, and it's just nice. Duh. And people get trophies. Yeah, yeah. We're going to, uh, Dad and I are going to <clears throat> the Division Three banquet, and Dad will be representing with the soil there at the Division Three banquet. So maybe we'll do some live mm-hmm. from the Division Three banquet on Saturday. Oops, sorry. Wrong one. <laughs> All the sound effects because it's that exciting. Well, you said you said Champions Banquet, so hang hang on. Well, this is for all the champions at D3. Get that dumb for the champions! We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. Bum, bum, bum. Sorry. Sorry. I'm excited about that. Don't be sorry. It's... It's quite appropriate, and if you win a if you win a division championship and you don't sing "We Are the Champions" at some point, did you even win a division championship? I just need to know. I feel like that comes along with the territory. What the hell, what the is, hell is going on here? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was off. not me. What? Yeah, that was not yeah, me. Yeah. What? No, this is. I have no idea. I don't know He's what the hell that was. He's trying to make me more deaf than I am already. At least I muted it when no, the chat came around me. asking for love. Big Chris blow. Somebody so. get them out. No, it Mine wasn't me. Mine are already me. blown out. And I can't deny the fact that you like me. Oh, there you go. Right <laughs> now. You like me. Wait a minute. That will never go away. No, see, you brought you brought this on yourself. I like that one though because it's very funny. Yeah. I forgot the Division Three banquets during PRI. That is a pretty smart idea to have it then. Right. I'm really excited yeah. about it. And then my yeah. dad no. got, me, got me a ticket for it. That was nice too. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, where do they have that? They, I, I mean, the, uh, no one is as cool. Nowhere is as cool as Hershey, but, you know, it's probably somewhere um, pretty cool. Well, Kelly, I hate to break it to you, but Division Two probably has the coolest banquet. Oh, have you heard the about island? Division II's banquet? Yes. Yes, the yeah. island. We don't have any cool islands in Division One that, like, would well, be broken t- over hey, by we have. We have chocolate, and we have the new indoor water park that we went to last year. <laughs> That's, That's what we true. did all day Saturday. We drank and and went to the pool, and we basically, poor Amanda had a cold. Every year, somebody in the group has a cold. I think, like, two years in a row it was poor Don, and then last year it was Amanda. So, basically, Don made her a drink with, like, that was a little uh, Jack Heavy, and put her in the hot tub, and she's just like, can I just sit in here? Because this is just wonderful. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to get out of this. Because <laughs> it, it was. And I was like, well, if it gets cold, again, if, it, if somebody gets sick again, we're just going to shove you in the hot tub until it's time to get hey. the banquet. <laughs> hey, Miss Barbado. Yes? 
how can you sit there and say there's not a lot of cool islands in Division One? There's Staten Island, there's Long Island. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> island, I'll give you Island Dragway. The closest island to, to, to me right now, Island Dragway, is the closest racetrack to me. <laughs> oh, I, no, I, I'd much prefer the slightly warmer temperatures of Division 2, even if they're not that much warmer in January. But their Division 2 uh, banquet is the same weekend as ours, so... Yes, it has been recently. That kind of sucks if you wanted to try to do both. Right, right. And uh, I know, like, mom and dad, my my mother and my father have gone to Division II Segway, and they wouldn't stop bragging about it. And then every other time they've tried to go or thought about going, it's now on the same weekend as Division One Segway. So sometimes yeah. And we need oh. him to come. We need both of them to come to the Division One banquet because I need to pick up like belts and helmets and Hans devices. I mean, it's like what would any of us do? I mean, either me or Rob or Amanda or somebody's picking up Simpson gear at some point that weekend. We have to. I need an extra down. large. <laughs> I need an extra large carbon. I need an extra large carbon fiber for my new race car for this year. You're, Next, my that's what my dad has. He's got the devil ray or whatever it is. I don't know. My mom surprised him. He picked it up in the mail, and he's like, "Whoa, this seems like carbon fiber." So yeah, he loved it. Start saving, saving for my new helmet because I was told back in 2000. Oh, sugar, when did I get this helmet? 2009, when I got this helmet that I have now. This is the last helmet that mommy and daddy are going to buy for me. And so I need to start saving now if I want to have. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know, it's a huge investment. And, like, thank God it lasts for a while, you know. Uh, but I got to start saving. My graduate school yeah. budget doesn't really, doesn't really allow for superfluous purchases such as a helmet to keep my head safe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing is is you can buy a Simpson. I mean, Simpson's the only helmet I trust on my head, but you can buy a non-carbon fiber one for probably in the four to five range, but man, those carbon fibers are so pretty, but then I was thinking about painting mine if I get when I get a new one in like five years, but it's like, yeah. well, if you paint a carbon fiber, like, what's the point of that? Like, so it's like, right. well, maybe I just talked myself out of getting a Less, you know, more expensive one. But my dad does look pretty badass. I mean, you know, it's a dad, but he's got, like, a cool helmet, so it, like, makes him a cool dad. <laughs> I know. My dad has a carbon fiber, too, and I'm like, what? A, this is so not – this isn't fair. And actually, my mom yes. she just reminded me that she took my helmet because she's been going to the racetrack. So I don't even have – my helmet's on loan to everybody else, and I don't have a helmet, but I also don't have a race car at this time, so – it's fine. I'll just figure it out. I don't. I'll give you Tanya's. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'll give you Thank Tanya's you. helmet. Oh, but Kelly, you know, um, to your point about the painting stuff, I really mm-hmm. love the flat black helmet too. I think they're like really cool. But mm-hmm. they cost more. The Simpson like flat black helmets cost about twenty five dollars more. So really. To, yeah, when I thought about it, I was like, you know, it's not even worth spending the extra $25 for 
the flat black even though I like it because if you're going to paint it, like, it's still more expensive. So you might as well just go with, like, a white or a black or whatever is in stock. Um, the gloss yeah. colors. And, mm-hmm. you know, carbon fiber. When it comes down to it, I don't know. They look they look cool enough as they are, but it, I don't know. If you're not worried about weight in your cars and or on your head, if you're already used to a regular helmet, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Though. Yeah. But they are sick looking, so there's that, too. You have to weigh that into it. Oh my god! No, and yeah, he didn't just get like the. I think he, my, your dad had my dad try on like a Voyager or whatever, and then he ended up liking the carbon fiber, but he ended up with like the Devil Ray one or whatever, and it's like that's a mean looking helmet. I'm like, that's yeah, cool. yeah. The carbon fibers come in. Um, well, what we stock, uh, what my dad stock, is the Bandit carbon fiber and the Devil Rays. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he stocks any Voyagers, and those. And I that's what it may have been. It may have been the Voyager he gave him to try on, and then he, like, ended up loving the Devil Ray. He's like, I'm going to go with this one. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty mean looking. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll be making lots of deliveries of powder-coated things and seatbelts and helmets and jackets and shoes and We'll be like the late Santa Claus that shows up at banquet. Uh, yes. Well, like I, uh, I did mention to your mother. I did mention to your mother, and she never answered me back. So that's typically not a good sign that those cups were pretty cool. Oh wait, um, yeah. So that's something that I've been interested in doing too for you know our listeners is to have some of like prizes in the form of powder-coated and laser-engraved Yeti cups or um, water bottles, mm-hmm. like the swell water bottles and stuff like that. So if we can get that train rolling, I know she's really, she's been so busy, but um, getting laser-engraved stuff is pretty sick. And we could have some really cool swag. And our listeners mm-hmm. could have Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my so, and uh, after the after the holidays, we will probably be taking pre-orders for the bags, custom designed by our very own Kelly Kondratik. Yay! Um, so I'll actually have the bag with me, too, at a PRI show. That's really what it was designed for, so people can spot the bag and spot me because it has my name on it and wheels up on it and JKR and powder free finishes. Um so they can spot me and stop me and say, hey, I think I've heard of that before. <laughs> and they can get a card, and we can smile and take a picture, and we can all enjoy the PRI show. It's been fun. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. That would be cool. The bag. That would be cool. Um, can carry over so. the up to, uh... <laughs> oh, there you go. All the um, accessories. Yeah. <laughs> your accessories. You have to accessorize. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's Yeah, whatever. Oh, uh, let's Don't see. Yeah, whatever. Next Wednesday, we I think we're going to also have on a couple of uh, the Mid-Atlantic .90 Association champs. We're going to be talking to uh, the Drivers from John Card Racing, of course, 
our good friend, Stacy McGlory, and mother-to-be within the next two, three to four weeks, I think it is, um, promo driver, top alcohol driver, top alcohol dragster driver, school teacher, and tuner, and all-around really cool person, uh, Angela Ray Kinson's going to be on with us, unless she's in labor. I talked to uh, John the other night, and he's like, you got everybody set up? And I said, yep, we're good to go, unless she goes into labor. And I don't think she'll be wanting to do the interview from labor and delivery. That may be a first, too. I think you're right. Yeah. Leave it to me. Okay, right here, this guy. See, usually I'm interviewing people after they went a race the day before, so like I never had to worry about the, they're going into labor. But you know, I, I'm sure that pops up sometimes. Yeah, we're gonna try not to make that one a habit. <laughs> Don't go for any long rides. Yep. Uh, Only spicy so. foods. Hey, Chris. Yes, sir. We've done quite a few live from shows. I've hosted a couple of them, but that would be the most interesting one ever, would it not? Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I, having been in labor and delivery, I think even I would pass on that one. Yeah. You have heard the terms make a sailor blush? <laughs> Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, we don't have that five-second delay for them to beep it out either. Yeah. No. I don't want to have to watch somebody get choked out or whatever either. So, I'm good. I'll pass. We need a Bill Phillips Seeing one was... uh, Seeing one was enough. I'm all set. And hers was (laughs) C-section, so... Uh, operating rooms are a little too sterile for my taste. Well, you know, they you to, all, right. all right, now that infection. you got me talking about it, now that you got me talking about it, I will tell you the one funniest part about sitting next to my wife holding her hand while they're do, performing the surgery to deliver our child. Sitting there, and, you know, she's all... She's on the table. She's got, you know, 17 IVs in her. She's got oxygen going, and, you know, they're all hooked up and monitoring her and the baby and everything. And sitting down next to her, and it just, you know, that funny feeling when somebody is looking at you, but you can't see it, but you can feel it. Well, I finally turned and I saw the uh, anesthesiologist sitting at my wife's head, monitoring all the medicine machines and crap like that and he kind of keeps looking at me out of the corner of my eye and I told Tanya I said I I think he thinks I'm going to pass out and I finally turned my whole head and I looked at him and just kind of was like gave him the like what face and he reaches down and he comes back up with an oxygen mask and goes are you good and just kind of shook it at me I'm like yeah I'm fine but you still took it. So, <laughs> no, I was too I was too enraptured in the moment. 
Oh God. So yeah, that was that was my my uh, labor and delivery story. <laughs> my dad, I have an interesting story about babies. If we're if we're if we're sharing labor and delivery stories, my mother was in labor uh, with my sister back in 1991 and my dad was down raising the gators and this was back before cell phones and back when we still didn't have a motor home and uh, he gets back to the hotel and the guy at the front desk is really worried looking and he looks at all of the group of guys that just came in and he goes uh do one of you guys have a wife that's having a baby and dad goes um yeah, and he goes, uh, you might want to go home. She's in, she's in labor, and so dad had to fly home from the Gators um, for my sister to be born. So there's that. And I think he was watching, um, my mom reminds me that he was watching Tim the Toolman Taylor on, um, what's my show, Home Improvement? Um, oh, yeah. I would, so... So it's no wonder why I love that show, but my dad was too involved watching that while I was being born. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my sister wins the award for interrupting the most races in a race season. Uh, Her wedding was on Virginia two year last year. And so we had to miss Virginia. And I haven't been to Virginia in years now. I feel like it's been whole lifetime since I've been to DNT for the season opener and yeah, so she's always getting in the way. Love us, but she's always getting interrupting us. I had a whole summer like that. Like and I was doing good when I actually did show up to the racetrack. It's like at the end it's like if I would have gone south, I'd probably I would have finished in the top ten. Like I just had to show up, but I had another wedding. I was just like <laughs> Oh, I man, do, like I maybe do. next year. No, it never happens when you have all the time in the world. All your friends getting married in one season or, or they pick, like, one weekend and everybody gets married, like, during a race weekend. It, it never works out, though. Like, I can't advise, like, my friends in any way, shape, or form, other than it being a little bit unethical. Like, I can't um, advise them in any way. Like, here's a weekend I'm not racing because that doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, I got a good story. My friend decides she gets engaged a couple years ago. She tells me the wedding date. It's the Friday night of the Keystones. I said, "Oh my goodness, honey, I've known this girl since high school. Like, honey, I tell you right now, it's probably gonna rain." And I'm not trying to be that girl. I'm not trying to be a mean girl. I'm just telling you, this race is notorious. And it was last year, 2016, when it rained and we didn't get out of the trailer until Sunday. So I stayed in the trailer at motorhome all day and then got dressed and went to the wedding because the wedding happened to – I got lucky. The wedding was only like a half an hour, 45 minutes from Maple Grove. But, like, I told her, and I'm like, I did not want to be right about this. But the real question <laughs> is, was it actually raining at the venue or was it in Maple Grove Little Triangle of, like, when it rained no, at Maple it was- Grove? It- it was raining there. It's it was probably another fifteen minutes from Gold Rush. So I mean it was it was raining oh, okay. pretty heavy. It wasn't in like that Maple Grove triangle that we usually get. It was it was it was slowing down enough. Like I remember walking in with Don and it wasn't rain but it was damp and cold and it was like, Okay, we have a window to like go inside and stuff and I think they got some pictures outside. 
But it was still, like, damp and cold. Luckily, everything. She goes, well, everything's inside. I said, keep it that way. <laughs> I'm like, you'll, you'll oh, be happy. Really <laughs> I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but it will probably rain. Oh, I told her. I'm like, I'm really hoping I'm wrong, but I'm really worried that I'm not. Because it was right <laughs> after, like, the other one. Now, this year, 2017, was great. I'm hoping we get a couple runs of that, but like you just never know with that racetrack. Oh, that is really funny. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, I guess like on this train of life events happening while we're at the races, which I mean like it kind of makes sense because we feel like we're always at the races or we actually are always at the races. Yeah. <laughs> My senior year of high school which was a while ago now, I guess, but um, I was on homecoming court, and so my homecoming was the weekend of bracket finals, and I had won high school championship for Cecil County, so we were down at the bracket finals back when it was down at um, US 13, and I live, you know, people say, like, oh, well, it's, in, it's basically in Maryland, too, so it can't be that far. <clears throat> There were oil down after oil down after oil down that day. And I think, oh, gosh, I think it was like I finally had my run. I went out. I swear, I had to swear to my dad that, like, I didn't throw the race for any reason. Like, I really just lost. (laughs) Changed in my dress. Like, got a picture on the starting line for homecoming. And then uh, got in the car. And my mom drove uh, my date and I all the way to back to um, my high school, which was like three hours away. So that oh was my pretty, pretty clutch. But also, like, looking back, I'm like, that was so unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> but it did make for a good picture and, like, a slightly not entertaining story. So, um <laughs> Nobody would, I, like, I get it, but I'm sure people in school, uh, the other homecoming court is like, yeah, what? I don't even get it. I don't understand. Yeah. This like, is the most important thing ever. <laughs> why wasn't this girl here? And I'm like, but wait. Exactly. I almost We're had just, a lie to the final. Let me explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky. We're lucky this year because Amanda graduates on a Friday, and Saturday is our Maple Grove dot ninety race. So I'm like, oh, cool, we can go to that. Oh, cool. I was like, cool. I was like, okay, we'll go to graduation, and then the next day we'll all go to Maple Grove. And she goes, yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> oh my gosh, I like didn't even look to see. Oh, I think my graduation is like early this year. No, it's later this year, but I don't think it's. Ooh, that actually makes me think that my graduation may be on the same weekend as uh, Maple Grove Divisional. Yikes. Ooh, that's late. That's like Memorial Day weekend. It's, I mean, well, no. Then maybe, maybe it's the weekend, the weekend before. before. Maybe we left out. That, that's the .90 race and um, uh, Norwalk. So it worked out good because Amanda's like, well, I'm not going to Norwalk because I'm graduating, so I might as well go to the .90 race. On Saturday. Oh, I need to. I guess I. I like wrote all of the schedule down one day while I was procrastinating from school, mm-hmm. and um, 
Yeah, I mean, even races that I have no chance of, like, ever making it to, like, Phoenix and, like, Topeka. Like, I'm not going to Phoenix or Topeka, but I wrote them down to make sure I knew when they were. Mm -hmm. I apparently didn't study it hard enough, but uh, (laughs) that may be be a weak case for getting, getting to Norwalk if I'm supposed to be graduating. Yeah, that's May's tough because I think there's like the Open and then Mother's Day and then the Dot Ninety Race slash Norwalk, and then when the Maple Grove Divisional, and then it's over. So except for Mother's Day, pretty much you can around here you can pretty much race. So if you have a graduation other than Mother's Day, <laughs> if the weather's cooperating, it's kind of crazy because like last. The last couple of years, even at, like, Summer Nationals, I think about the weather at Summer Nationals, it's been so all over the place. Like, sometimes it's oh my God, yeah. ridiculously cold and we're, like, bundled up, even though it's not always, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I'll say this and knock on wood, it rarely rains there. Yeah. Um, other than, like, maybe once or twice a couple, like, real big storms that come in, but, like, that doesn't really mm-hmm. ever happen. But it it has been like really cold, so I don't know. Maybe May will be warmer. I can't I can't even make a good guess if it's going to be warm or hot or cold or what yeah. it's going to be. Kind of crazy. Because the echo the first at ninety race last year was in April, like the end of April, like April twenty ninth or whatever, and it was hot. And I was like, wow, you sometimes this race can be freezing, but it was actually warm night that weekend in April, so it's. But, yeah, then May can get cold and rainy because I remember that a couple weeks later. I think it was cold and rainy. And then it's just, yeah. And then it gets, I remember, I don't know if you went to the ACA Open last year. It was like 95 degrees in mid-May on Friday. And then Saturday we were all in winter coats. I was like, what is going on? Oh, no. I wasn't there for that. But I, oh yeah, that sounds chaotic. Yeah, you basically take your time cards from Friday and you just throw them out the window because really they weren't doing anything. Yeah, really. Thanks for those time shots we got, you know, like yesterday when the weather and the barometric pressure and everything else was completely different. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so many people came Saturday because of that probably. They're like, well, Friday's not going to do anything for me. It's basically a couple hits of the tree maybe, but that's really all it did. And then – the next weekend, I remember the barometer went from, like, 30.1 at Aco to 29.1 at Maple Grove. <laughs> like, how oh am I going to dial this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think huh. the safe race there is, like, except for just, a, you know, a handful of people that seem to always have it together, is, like, everybody's in the same boat. And so you just kind of head your best a little bit on that, but, like, everybody's in the same confusion boat, and we all took time runs, like, what feels like years ago, but... (laughs) I also think it's really interesting when it is, I mean, comparing data from, like, year to year is obviously tremendously helpful if you haven't made, like, big changes or even just knowing, like, um, the conditions in a roundabout way, knowing the conditions and, like, what you can expect at a place. But I think Mm -hmm. this year, um, with our divisional schedule, it kind of sets, like, a little bit of a tone, a different tone, because the 
it seems like some of the races are really changing around a lot and like the time of year that they are and we talked about the weather changing from year to year but like each the time of year that some of these races are happening like is very different yeah english town and epping are basically in a way almost swapping not completely um actually between the two eppings in english town it's sort of like got some you know some swappage and now it's basically english town english town skip a month epping skip a month or skip two months practically epping again so yeah that's definitely going to bring it you know english town is now going to be even hotter now they're also one thing i will say that thing that's going to probably be great about english town is with the early curfew or the early morning can't run until 10 a.m which as somebody who has to wake up at 4 a.m every day i enjoy sleeping in i love that i, I have love to that. yeah Oh, English sounds the best because you can sleep in. That's that's the best. But, like, you know, with it being right at summertime, I mean, it's going to be daylight until, like, 8 o'clock at night. So that we can we can sort of pick up the time on the back end. And this past year, it was not good because they got late and it was, like, 7 o'clock and they're trying to get cars down the track and it was getting dark and cold and people were complaining. So this will buy us a little bit more time, plus the warmth. Well, they also do right. their – oh, sorry, Chris. Go ahead. All right. While you guys are were gabbing away here, I just realized something. Um, the national event at Norwalk is the weekend of my birthday. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> just saying. That's all, uh, that's all uh, you interrupt. We were having a great conversation. That's what you interrupted us for. Oh, uh, the hell with you, jeez! Just figure out where the pig roast is, and I'll see you down here. I know when it is. Jeez! I just... Oh, oh my god! While we're on the topic of birthday races, my birthday race is uh, NHRA Nationals at Arizona. So, if anybody wants to fly me out there, you know, just got a couple extra dollars in your pocket, and you want to fly me to Arizona for my birthday. Chris can go to Norwalk. Hey, can, I, to... can we do – you know what we'll do? This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a pre-birthday party song for you. <laughs> Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? It's so freaking good. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. I was sitting in the kitchen one day and I was itching to fill up my belly with the piping hot jelly of the best damn treat in the world. <laughs> He's talking pop Should we try and this? I saw a stick of butter what and it made me shudder and scream like a baby girl. I don't oh, want a giant penis or a rocket trip to Venus. I don't want to win the lottery. I just want to squat and gobble till I'm dizzy and I wobble in a butterfruit and Joe's hot dream. So I put butter on a pop tart. It was so freaking good. Have you ever put butter on a pop tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. Still not in A little something for you, dear. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll make sure. Okay, you're looking for much. Tomorrow at a PRI show when we find a karaoke bar somewhere, I'll make sure that I consider that one before I quickly choose something else to sing. <laughs> you better bring me back something nice. Uh, I, 
I hope people are giving away free things because I don't have no money. <laughs> Poor girl needs to buy a helmet, man. Okay, I told yeah, her I'd give her a tiny helmet. Literally three years. I look at my watch like it's going to tell me how how early I am for starting to save on my helmet, but like three years in advance. So <laughs> that, that's yeah, how I think it is three years. Yeah, I think because you have a what is it a fit? No, be a ten. I had a ten. You probably are doing the same as me. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Wait. So yeah, then the I really thing- got about four years. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so I have yeah. a little more time. Chris, you just bought yourself a birthday present. Yeah. <laughs> the worst is me and Don are both due at the same time, so then we're buying two helmets. It's like everything, when you know, they sync now, up, it's like you know, we have to buy I double just, everything. I just thought of something amazing. Everybody's doing the auctions lately, you know, selling the tech, you know, everybody gets a number up to X amount for X for 20 bucks or whatever. Why don't we take mm-hmm. the hood scoop that is mounted on my bedroom wall and we raffle it off for five bucks a ticket? Uh, I mean, if you want to do that, you want to get rid of your decorations? We could do that. <laughs> is that what you want to Help a poor struggle. We could really put. The, we could really lay it lay it on thick too. Help a poor struggling college student achieve her racing dreams by buying a lottery ticket. And then maybe when she gets out of law school, she'll defend you. <laughs> for five, for a simple five dollar donation, you can help Kelly Kondratik achieve her racing dreams. By putting her brain in a bucket to help keep her safe. <laughs> a brain? Oh my God! By getting her race car <laughs> off of the ceiling and into a blasting booth and repowder coated and all of those other things, we could, you know, if this hits off really well, I could have a whole crew getting my car back together over the winter. That would be awesome. We could afford. There you go. Yeah, we'll get your dad on. Get your dad to work. Oh, my dad works too much. My mom works. Too much. Oh. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. I know you. I, I have faith in you. We'll get there. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have about 90 seconds left. I think we had an absolutely fantastic episode of Wheels Up Radio tonight. Obviously, we got to thank Denny Parison and the amazing work that he does for the uh, Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House. Um, his toy drive is this weekend. Uh, check out Wheels Up Radio Facebook page. I will have the poster up there for you to view. Um, we are so incredibly happy to be part of the uh, race for, excuse me, race for Ronald's house. All the events that Denny puts together. Obviously, I have to thank our super duper special guest Graham Light for joining us this evening. Um, it was a great conversation. Obviously, we did not get to all the questions that we wanted to. Um, the, we'd need like a six-hour show, but that's okay. Um, we got something to build off of now. Obviously, Kelly, Kelly, you guys did an amazing, amazing amount of legwork on this one. That's why this was your show tonight to shine. Um, and as always, you guys did a great job, and I thank you very much. 
Kelly, thank you for going to Indy and repping for us. You 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 kick butt it. Um, keep your dad out of trouble. You and I worry about your dad. That's another story. But uh, I think that is it. We will be back next Wednesday night with John Card Racing and uh, Angela Ray Kinson and Stacy McGlory is going to be joining us. And I think we're going to have a couple of the uh, .90 champs on. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm going to push this little button right here, and we will call it an evening. This concludes our broadcast. Okay. Click. 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 Good night.